Welcome to Obesity, a Disease, the official Obesity Medicine Association podcast exploring the many facets of the disease of obesity. In this episode, OMA Chief Science Officer Dr. Harold Bays leads an article review with an industry expert. Obesity, a Disease podcast is brought to you by the Obesity Medicine Association, the clinical leader in obesity medicine. Welcome. My name is uh, Dr. Harold Bays, Medical Director and President of the Louisville Metabolic and Atherosclerosis Research Center, located in Louisville, Kentucky. Welcome to the Obesity Medicine Association podcast entitled Obesity, a Disease. Uh, in this series of podcasts, uh, we examine and discuss some of the latest articles uh, in obesity research and in the clinical science um, of the treatment of our patients with the obesity. And we are very fortunate to have with us here today, uh, Tiffany Loclayton. Uh, she is co-author of a recent clinical practice statement that was put out by the Obesity Medicine Association entitled Obesity, Diabetes Mellitus, and uh, Cardiometabolic Risk. And I think that's just so important uh, for clinicians and obviously very important for our patients. So before we get started, uh, Dr. Clayton, can you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what it is that you do? Absolutely. And hello, Harold. Thank you for having me. Um, so my name is, uh, yes, Dr. Tiffany Lowe Clayton. I am a board certified uh, family physician and also a, a diplomat of the American Board of Obesity Medicine. I currently practice in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, my practice is largely focused on non-surgical uh, medical weight loss um, in patients. And I'm also an assistant professor and director of clinical education at Campbell University School of Osteopathic Medicine. So very happy to be here and have this important discussion with you today. Uh, yes, and one of the other things I think people should know is um, you frequently served as um, a moderator for educational programs for the Obesity Medicine Association. And I, I think that's just so important uh, to have that uh, ability and that, and that skill to translate uh, clinical science into the clinical care of, uh, of uh, patients with uh, obesity. Uh, so, so let's just Let's just get right into it. Um, to I think one of the essential uh, focus of this of this article again, um, you know, uh, uh, this clinical practice statement from the Obesity Medicine Association talking about obesity and diabetes mellitus is that we are treating a disease. Uh, obesity is a disease, and it's a it's a disease in every sense of the word. Um, if you, if you look at adipose tissue, adipose tissue is very active from an immune standpoint, and that can affect uh, energy or lipid storage. It can affect adipogenesis, uh, fatty acids, uh, extracellular matrix maintenance, angiogenesis. Uh, it can release the adipose tissue, whether it be the adipocytes or the surrounding stroma, can produce cytokines, chemoattractants, and anti-inflammatory anti factors, as well as uh, eicosanoids and prostaglandins and proteins of the complement system, as well as acute phase reactants and such. And, and those in turn also uh, often have these, these adipocytokines often have endocrine functions also, which can affect the appetite and thermogenesis. And again, energy storage and adipogenesis and extracellular matrix uh, maintenance that we talked about and angiogenesis and fatty acid metabolism and 
vascular hemostasis and blood pressure and thrombosis and hormones and reproduction and nutrient transport and all these types of things. The bottom line is, I mean, I think in the past, people mainly considered adipose tissue as this inert energy storage organ, but that's just not true. Um, and as a result, it very much matters the uh, health of your adipocytes and your adipose tissue. And if you end up with sick fat, the adiposeopathy, then you're going to have derangements in uh, glucose and lipid metabolism, as well as factors that affect um, blood pressure. So when, so I guess my question is this, um, these are things that I think many in obesity medicine know, but how do you convey this, this concept of uh, sick fat to patients where they say, well, doc, you know, uh, 20 pounds ago, I didn't have the diabetes and high blood pressure and the and problems with my cholesterol and such, but now that I've, now that my weight has increased by 20 pounds, now I have all of these things. What happened? How, how do you get that message across that maybe it has something to do with their body fat? Oh, wow. I think that's a, a great question. And, and, you know, something that I believe patients as well as providers who may not understand the uh, complexity and the chronicity of, um, of obesity and, and how it can really make uh, patients very ill um, need to understand that, to your point, um, you know, adipose tissue is metabolically active, that it's not just an energy storage organ, or it's not just um, mass disease, but that people who um, carry excess weight or, you know, people who may have um, a disruption of the homeostasis of being able to, you know, to maintain a healthy weight, um, it can make them very ill. It can make them sick. It can create uh, dysfunction in their immune system as well as in their endocrine system. And it can ultimately create things such as insulin resistance and type 2 diabetes and really impact their ability to lead a full and healthy life. And so really helping our patients um, to understand that, you know, obesity is a disease state just like any other chronic disease state, and that by not managing their obesity, by not taking it seriously, and not helping them to be able to get to a healthier weight, we are ultimately uh, not doing what's in our best interest of the patient. So, um, you know, it's it's important, and you know, we talk about treat treat obesity. We got to think about it as treating it from an obesity centric focus, and really looking at obesity as a way to, um, and a treatment of obesity as a way to really help our patients lead a healthier life. And that sounds so logical, but Tiffany, you know, as well as I do, there, there are people out there um, that, that do not agree that treating body fat is all that particularly important uh, to improve people's health. And I, I just, that's just not the science. And one thing I really like about this article, you know, it has these, these uh, figures and such, you know, one, uh, uh, you know, talks about how it is once fat cells enlarge, and once you have an accumulation of the adipose tissue, and you get the sick fat or the adiposopathy, you have this uh, adipocyte and adipose tissue hypoxia, and, and fat cell death, and you have lipotoxicity with intracellular uh, ceramide accumulation, and, you know, sometimes the free fatty acids, when they go into the the adipose tissue and other body organs get, get shunted into things that are not good. They're not helpful. And then you have maladaptive uh, mechano, uh, 
mechanotransduction, which it sounds complicated, but it just means that as your adipose tissue expands, you gotta you gotta dissolve that extracellular matrix to, to allow it to expand. And then it's gotta re gotta be reformulated and such. And if and if there's disruption of that, then you just can't put any more adipose tissue into that area, that fat depot. And then what happens is you have this energy overflow that goes to other body organs and other body organs being the liver and the muscle and the pancreas and the brain. And so you get, you know, people have heard fatty liver. People have heard fatty muscle. People have heard that fat infiltration of the pancreas diminishes insulin production. And then, and then people have heard about intraorganelle or mitochondrial dysfunction and mitochondrial stress. And, and uh, there's even the more recent understanding that there, there are these extracellular vesicles, little bits of the, of the uh, uh, adipocytes that go traveling around in the circulation and get delivered to other body tissues and such. So when you add it all together, you're getting a, a mitochondrial and endoplasmic reticulum stress, uh, release of these reactive oxygen species. Uh, it's impairing the ability to properly uh, activate uh, the insulin receptor and such. And that's exactly what you just said with regard to insulin uh, resistance. You get release of chemokines and uh, all sorts of other kinds of uh, adipokines and such. We can get increased release of pro-inflammatory factors, decreased release of anti-inflammatory factors. Uh, you get release of these pathogenic hormones or disruption of hormone uh, function and such. We see that with polycystic ovarian syndrome, free fatty acid release, release of bioactive horm uh, exosomes and such. So my point is, um, one of the real values, I think, of this article is that it does go into some granularity as to why does obesity cause diabetes? And I think if you're an obesity medicine specialist, um, I think you should know that. I think you should be the expert on that. And so I think that's one thing that really this article is going to help people. Where I think people get tripped up, and this goes back to what I was saying before, is there's People out there that say, well, but you're acting like it's just the fat tissue and such. And, and that's not what this article says at all. Uh, this article, I think, is quite transparent in saying whatever disruption uh, from an immune standpoint or endocrine standpoint occurs with adipose tissue, it very much depends, okay, whether or not you get diabetes or other metabolic complications, very much depends on the interaction with liver, muscle, pancreas, brain, and other body tissues. So it's this disruption of the harmonious interaction between the adipose tissue and these other body or organs. In fact, disharmonious uh, interactions is what contributes to metabolic disease. So I guess the next logical question would be, uh, in your clinical practice, when you have patients that have been diagnosed of having fatty liver, um, and they have the overweight and the obesity. How do you, how do you as a clinician sort of sort it out for them that interconnectivity between uh, the pathogenic potential of of sick fat or the adiposopathy and things like fatty liver? That's just so common. We see that so often. How do you convey that message to patients? 
Um, I think that's a great question. And I, I honestly can't, um, you know, I, I agree 100% with, with what you, you just said in terms of, you know, the fact that as uh, clinicians, we all, especially those who are treating patients for obesity, we do need to understand the science behind this. And we do need to make sure that we understand it so that we can help convey it to our patients that, you know, that this is a complex and chronic disease state um, and something that, you know, we need to take seriously when we're looking at treatment. And so when patients come in and they, they have fatty liver disease and, um, and they want to understand what happens and how they happen, they first have to understand that, you know, really when we look at fatty liver disease, um, we have to understand where it comes from. So the free fatty acids that you were talking about, we know largely um, is one of the biggest uh, reasons um, that, you know, patients get fatty liver disease, which comes from the, the um, disruption in homeostasis that, that you just mentioned. And then 25% of it is de novo. 25% of it um, just, you know, just occurs. But you know, that 15% of what patients can do, what can they do that 15% that comes from diet? Um, you know, how can they modify their diet? How can they, you know, make a difference in themselves to improve their outcomes, um, especially as it relates to fatty liver disease? That's the part that we want to really make sure that we drive home to our patients that, you know, parts of this will um, improve over time as you improve, um, you know, obesity and, and, and the um, amount of, um, you know, of, of unhealthy weight that a person may be carrying, part of that um, will come from making the modifications in, in your diet. And, and I think when I talk to my patients about that, it really empowers them because it helps them understand that, yes, I can do something about this, that, you know, this does not have to be, you know, my plight, that although this may be in my family and, and uh, you know, I may have issues with this um, genetically, just because I'm at increased risk uh, for developing obesity as an adult because my mother or father may have had it, there are things that you can do to help yourself um, lead a, le a healthier lifestyle. And, 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 and if you focus on what you just said there, if you focus on, there are things that you can do. I mean, if you're talking to a patient, there are things that you can do. Thank you so much, Dr. Clayton. This has been extraordinary. Um, I think this is a, a, a pretty good overview of uh, many of the uh, topics that were covered uh, in this clinical practice statement put out by the Obesity Medicine Association. So again, I, I thank you. And I want to thank you, the listener. You've been listening to Obesity a Disease, a uh, podcast put out by the Obesity Medicine Association. Thank you for listening to this episode of Obesity, a Disease. For more information about obesity medicine podcasts and other valuable resources from the clinical leaders in obesity medicine, please visit www.obesitymedicine.org backslash podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode and want to listen regularly, head over to iTunes where you can subscribe, rate, and leave us a much appreciated review. The views expressed in this episode are those of the host and guest and do not necessarily represent the opinions, beliefs, or policies of the Obesity Medicine Association or its members. Please join us again for our next episode of Obesity, a Disease.